The Movie Hour, episode 89, June 24th, 2010. Spoiler alert, the following hour programming may contain both movie plots and swearing. Hello everyone and welcome to Francis McDormand's Appendicitis Movie Hour. I am your host Greg Maloney and tonight I believe I'm joined by my brother James and my friend Jeff. Are you guys still on the line? Hello. Yes, but emotionally spent. Emotionally spent? Jeff, it's been a are crazy you, day. Are you there? Are you emotionally spent also? Yeah, I'm here. I'm emotionally um, unavailable. <laughs> emotionally <laughs> absent. Yeah, I am. Uh, we are really sacrificing here. It's it's super hot in the studio. AC's out. It's not. How hot is it in Michigan? It's just a. I think it's just a furnace in here. We need to figure out some. Uh, it was high eighties today and muggy. It's killing me. Killing we could me. ask. We could ask Terrence, the new intern, to come come in here and just blow as hard as he can. And <laughs> or just like just get him to like take the studio door like, and open it back and forth, like just waft there <laughs> like that. That'd be, be nice. Yeah, it would be. It would be. Um, Deb's the seat closest to the door. Yeah, I don't know if people understand the sacrifice we go through to uh, actually get together and pull these things off. Jeff Jeff almost died on the way here. He had a he had a ride in back and forth from his house because he uh, forgot his equipment. Forgot his equipment, but it's okay. Jeff's Jeff's here now. And, I'm here now. And we're uh, we're here to discuss movies. But before we discuss movies, we have more important things to do. Much more important things. To yeah, do. like did you guys feel the earthquake today? Yeah, what is that? I read about. I read about it. I didn't feel anything. Earthquake in Detroit. Yeah, we felt it at the at work today. It was a five point five. Yeah, like ah. one of my coworkers. I walked in his office and he's just like, um, "Why is my computer shaking?" So, but they, there is some some reverb out here. But uh, yeah, five point five somewhere in Canada. I yeah, think, over by Montreal. As soon as it was red, uh, I made the joke. Are you sure it wasn't just the economy crashing? And it was. Uh, it got a lot of laughs. A lot of laughs. Everybody in the office. I remember was, hearing that. And everybody hearing in the office like laugh and wondering what they were laughing at. Like if I saw so, if they saw something that. Yeah, I I don't understand that the earthquake situation because I didn't feel I wasn't that far from you, James, and I didn't feel it. That's you for see, sure. it's when two plates either um, diverge or uh, or merge together, and one kind of moves on top of the other is the most common uh, way for that to move. Do you understand plates? Plate tectonics. Plate tectonics. Plate tectonics. Would you like to talk about, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen? It's yeah. uh, <laughs> Sneak that into your next band name. Sean William Scott, Tectonics Power. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I wasn't yeah. talking about earthquakes. I'm talking about the World Cup, which we talked about last week yeah. a little bit. Also emotionally draining. Yeah, which got so intense. I was watching it today uh, with Jeff and uh, friend of the show, John, and it was amazing. Well, I won't call it amazing. I'm happy it ended well, but Jesus. It was amazing. I'll call it amazing. Yeah, it was pretty big. I made sure to leave work at at halftime, just so I can go watch the second half during lunch. Yeah. It was great. Um, USA, obviously, dueling against Algeria, and it was uh, an epic battle, which ended up – I don't. I guess I won't say anything because maybe somebody DVR'd it. Never mind. They're going to know. Uh, yeah. I, they, they won 1-0 in the end, in, in overtime, if you will, extra minutes. Minute goal. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've been following the World Cup since it started, and it's now building toward the, the next round, the single elimination stuff, and this was to get to that, and it's been it's been fun. And next tomorrow will be no different than the day after, and it's if you're not watching the World Cup, get to it, people. I know we plugged it last time, uh, ESPN3.com, but you can watch them, all the games there, pretty much, almost all of them. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to catch the next one in Colorado, or at least the next USA game. Yeah, Saturday, 2 o'clock Eastern, I think. Something like that. So... Yeah, Which you'll probably you'll, need two thirty. That's right. Really, you're going to you're a half hour. Tons of news today. You're going to Colorado. Yep, going to Colorado. Taking my show on the road. Interesting. I'm not usually the one out of town. Right. Yeah, we might have to do next week. Might be an episode with Jeff and Greg. The first, the first one ever. If you don't make it back in time, I don't know. So if I don't fill out my expense report be. correctly, I'm never going to be able to do it again. So right. I have to make sure right. I'm on top of my game. Yeah. You're the glue. I'm. That's that's my prediction. Is that Jim is the glue? I have a feeling this is just going to spin completely out of control. <laughs> We're going to end up talking about some other feature that doesn't even exist when you disappear. I, I should be back in time for a recording, so hopefully you won't fall apart. Okay. Before I get back. Yeah, it can It can't be any later than tonight because tonight's already been a super a super late start. But 
um, yeah, I'm I'm happy you're you're heading out there. I hope you have a great time. And uh, yeah, I guess let's let's get on to the important, the second important stuff, and that's movie stuff, guys. Movies. Movie stuff. Yeah, movie stuff with Ali Hunter's Highwood Hoopla. I think it's it is slowly becoming my favorite feature, just because Jeff's terrible Parker Posey the the week before the, his last one. My uh, last one was great. Oh, the two weeks. You mean the one before that? Yeah, you gave me a sour yeah. taste in my mouth, dude. Sour taste. Anyhow, Holly Hunter's Highwood Hoopla. Item number one, multiple groups in Hollywood are pressuring IMDb.com to remove the ages from writers, actors, and other biography pages. And others, sorry, and the others' bi- biography pages. I cannot write. Uh, the Screen Actors Guild and the Writers Guild of America argue that people are offered less jobs as they age, even though age should not be taken into account. Sites like IMDb perpetuate the problem. <laughs> I think this is bullshit. Yeah? It's so stupid. Yeah. yeah. Like 90210 is... A bunch of high schoolers, but their average age was like 67 or something. That's their actor's age. And everybody knew look it. At, look at Betty White. She's like on top of her career right now. Yeah, she's honestly. What, I had forgotten who she was, and now <laughs> she's bigger than ever. I still don't know really what she's doing. but I don't know, man. When you're a writer and you're 39 years old, you've got, you've got hard times getting a job. Come on. You should know this. That should be a good thing. They're more experienced. They have more to write about. Wait, what? I'm lost. Huh? What are we, what are we talking about again? People talking about their ages. What's funny is I like how they do they take it off IMDb. Everyone's just going to be ageless. Right. Like, oh, yeah. we'll never be able to find their age ever again. If it's not on IMDb, no one will ever be able to find their age on the internet. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the, the information's out there. And I, I like the idea that there are people fighting for what they want, but this is never going to end well for you guys. I'm sorry. This is, a, this is never going to win. This is a win-loss no, no I like scenario. the generalized statement. I absolutely love. The I like idea the idea of people fighting for what they want. Yeah, I do. <laughs> this is the this is the Kobayashi Maru situation. You can't win in this in this scenario. Someone call Kirk. People should stand up for themselves, and I like it. Dude, I am sweating bullets right now. Where's, where's the interns with the towels? Because. I I really like that out there somewhere is like somebody. Riding a Mel Gibson vehicle, about to get on AMDB and figure out how old he is, just to, so all of a sudden it turns into a Robert Pattinson vehicle, oh. just like that. Like, oh my God, he's that old? Forget it. This isn't his movie yeah. anymore. Not my demographic. Next, yeah, um, uh, yeah. Good luck, guys. We hope we hope the the Writers Guild gets what they want, and the Screen Actors Guild, and all the other people. But they're just desserts. Yeah. Good luck. Uh, next on the hoopla, everyone can stop holding their breath. It's finally happening. The greatest movie of all time. Yeah, that's right. Plan Nine from Outer Space is being converted to 3D. After the movie goes through this metamorphosis, uh, metamorphosis, it may even see a very small theatrical release. Sweet. Uh, they can double feature it with Tommy Wiseau's 3D The Room. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm sure he's got a copy of it I'm somewhere. I think 3D of The Room. Or at least wrote a book about it. As this movie. This movie has some... The reason it's so great are the terrible special effects. There are no special effects in The Room, other, unless you count like every cut being... A, every uh, transition being a That won't stop dissolve, Tommy Wiseau. Um, yeah. Jeff, you've seen this movie, right? Yes, I have. I can imagine the opening like spaceship scene, like where it's just pretty much hanging on a string in front of like a black piece of cardboard or construction. As long as the string's still there, I'm good. <laughs> like I really, as long as they don't try and remaster it. What I do like about it is this whole process is like a tongue-in-cheek process. They know how bad it is, and that's the only like it's got its cult following, and that's the only reason they're making it. I, I'd be willing to bet that you can see that like smaller theaters at midnight in like big cities, and they'll make money, and that it'll be it'll be a funny thing, and like you said, a cult thing. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna make some loot, man. And Jim, anyone who hasn't seen Plan Nine in Outer Space, uh, Ed Wood. I'll wait until you you guys see the 3D version. Tell me which one I should go see. Oh, you got to catch it, dude. I think it was streaming on Netflix for the longest time. I don't know if it is anymore, but. Um, well worth the, the free, the free, sh- and I think it's, how, is it really short? I'm trying to remember. I think it actually is pretty damn short. It feels like a year, but I think it's like an hour long. Anyhow, uh, yeah, fantastic. 3D explosion. I can't wait to watch it on my new Sony $5,000 TV. Uh, next up, <laughs> seriously, sweating bullets. Uh, the film, <laughs> the Blues Brothers gets an unexpected accommodation from a Vatican newspaper, calling the movie a Catholic classic. 
We need to use that as one of our descriptors for a title. Uh, <laughs> That's a great uh, descriptor. In, uh, quotes, this is a memorable film, and judging by the facts, a Catholic one. Uh, you know, <laughs> I can't even... <laughs> yeah, you know who else claimed this as their, mo- their go-to movie? The Nazis. <laughs> oh, Godwin Theory wins. Yeah, I... Uh, that's I just, don't know. That's just dynamite. <laughs> I love. I just like the idea of them. A classic Catholic movie now too, or <laughs> <laughs> pretty much the Glorious Bastards because Hitler was a mean son of a bitch. Yeah, I don't know. I, I <laughs> who cares about the laws broken on, on, in between? I uh, this has been mentioned once or twice on the show, but I haven't seen uh, Blues Brothers, so um, yeah, I, I don't remember that. <laughs> I know I hate you, and now I hate you. Um, I do remember there were Nazis in it, though, so I wanted to throw in that Nazi joke. Illinois Nazis, the best kind. Yeah, yeah. But, I don't know, like, people people claiming movies as their own, it's happened before. Uh, goth kids did it with The Night of like, Christmas. And... It's exactly what you've been doing with Killer Clowns from Outer Space for the past, <laughs> like, nine months. It is kind of like that. Unfortunately, I don't have a giant uh, uh, <laughs> newspaper to write about it for. Or, or, for that matter, a resort in downtown Rome. That would be nice, too. Yeah. <laughs> That would be nice. I, I read the article for this, and one of my favorite parts is how they talked about the newspaper for the Vatican and how it's become trendy and tro- topical. Yeah, how it's how it's changing up from its traditions. Yeah. Yes. We're not here to talk about print. Print's dead, Jim. Come on. We know that. Yeah. No more podcasts. Although, <laughs> this is a podcast. We're bringing it into our world here, although I guess this whole uh, this whole uh, topic was print. Fuck primary sources. <laughs> We just regurgitate information over and over again. Oh, the biggest news, I, I would call this the biggest news uh, because it's me being right. Uh, the latest movie from Pixar, Toy Story 3, opened this weekend with the company's best performance yet, $110 million on the opening weekend. This is Pixar's second movie to be released in 3D, first being up, of course. And uh, But more importantly, nobody will ever doubt me again. Uh, I doubted you just then when you said that, actually. <laughs> it's true. I said it was going to be top three for the year. I might even say I don't. Even, I'm going to have to go back to the tape because I might have said it's going to be number one for the year. I, I think you did actually. Yeah, I and, think you did claim number and one, and it's coming big, guys. I hope. And I'm still kicking myself for not remembering that it was in 3D and all those extra charges. Yeah, and IMAX. Don't forget that. Yeah, 3D yeah. and IMAX. That's people forget about that shit. Right, right, Jeff. In related news, Jonah Hex worst DC opening since. You know, Shaquille O'Neal and Steel. In <laughs> Steel. Wow. Yeah, that is a yeah. that is a big one. You're not kidding. Yeah, I forgot. I even forgot that Jonah Hex came out this weekend. Um, I was reading about it, Jonah Hex, that is, and people. I had read two different reviews talking about re- completely comparing it to Wicker Man. It's the new Wicker Man, supposedly. Like that's how stupid it wow. is with Josh Brolin rolling around in it, and the stuff he does is just so ridiculous that it's funny. And that I, that they were recommending to go see it. Yeah, the trailer doesn't look good, so <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh man, Malkovich, dude, Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich plays a very great B-roll bad guy. Very. Not the bees. You got. Speaking of, you got a you got the Trinity with uh, him, Cusack, and Cage and Con Air. Totally forgot about that. Wow. Anyhow. Um, yeah, I was actually part of the Toy Story 3 crowd, and um, I might actually be talking about it later tonight. I should figure that out. Um, but very good movie. Definitely go see it. And what's interesting is the 3D situation. They did have those small kid glasses we talked about last week, and they would. Yeah. I went with my cousins who are, I think, 10 and 8, eight and a half, I think she made she told me. Um but they wouldn't let them let them wear the glasses. They wouldn't let them wear the cool kid glasses. They had to wear the adult glasses. Because really? they were too old, or too I don't big? know. It was more of they were. They didn't like you. <laughs> they didn't like our. They Greg like our drunk and swearing. <laughs> uh, right. I don't know why. Pretty much, she grabbed one out of. The, I think it was because she grabbed it right out of the box. My little cousin. And the girl did not like that whatsoever. <laughs> she was trying to hand them to people. And I think yeah. I think we were penal. They only have power over so much. Right. If you they need they breach that they handle that for sure. Um, but yeah, that that's it for the hoopla. We'll we'll talk more about uh, Toy Story another time. But uh, it's on to our movie reviews, and I believe we've got Jeff starting us off today. 
Jeff? All right, fair enough. All right, I saw um, A Serious Man, uh, the Coen Brothers movie. I think it was nominated along with uh, 25 other movies for Best Picture last year. Am I right about that, Jim? <laughs> with like 30 movies. <laughs> <laughs> that could very well be. Yeah, it's tough to keep track. Um, but uh, yeah, it's the Coen Brothers wrote and directed it. It's uh, it's it's a, it's a good movie. I really liked it. I'll get, out, get that out of the way right away. Um, it starts out um, a little bit confusingly and maybe a little bit slow uh but it's it, it, it's good it's very good uh the main character uh professor larry gopnik is uh is is this kind of uh just sort of like regular guy who finds himself in like a kind of shitty situation it's about his family and he and his wife are sort of estranged and she's been seeing this other guy who's absolutely obnoxious and that's kind of funny and um his brother lives with them, and he's he's awful. Um, he was one of the more uh, noticeable people. Uh, they, like a lot of people in this aren't in a whole lot. Although you go, I think I know that guy from something. Uh, Richard Kind plays his brother. Uh, yeah, we know who that is, right? Yes, okay, the very annoying sounding guy. That's also I think he did. Was he on the the radio? Uh, not the radio. The what was he? That Michael J. Fox show was he? Was on that with him? Yeah, 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 yeah. He was in Spin, Spin City. City. Yeah, for a little while. And um, he was also in. Uh, he's been a lot Mad of. Sh- with yeah. uh, Paul Reiser. Anyway, um, yeah, so it's it's a it's a pretty cool movie. Um, it's just about his family and about sort of this kind of rough patch they've been going through, and him kind of trying to figure out what it all means uh, through his faith uh, in uh, in the Jewish religion, and um, sort of why why these things are happening to him and why anything happens to anyone and what it all means and he goes from uh from rabbi to rabbi to rabbi uh like kind of like trying to climb the ladder of the wiser and wiser rabbis and sort of it's um it's pretty funny and there there are a couple of really really great uh side characters as the Cohen brothers are you know very good at doing um yeah i i i I, there's not a lot to talk about because it's a very normal story, but it's very well told and it's it's uh it's very interesting. What uh so back to nobody being in this movie, at least no big names. Um, do you think it like worked? Because I know Cohen, the Cohen brothers have been working with a lot of the same crew for quite a while. At least most of them come in and out. Like this is a brand new slate, really. Right, right, yeah. agreed. No Totoro. Yeah, no Totoro. Yeah, no I mean, you know, you could say that. Uh, no Country for Old Men, while it definitely had some big names, was not uh, exactly their their usual cast either. Right, and that's true. Very well with that, um, but yeah, no, it worked, uh, and it was still definitely a Coen Brothers film. It's 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 the writing and not the uh, the writing and not the acting. I think. Well, I don't want to slag off uh, Totoro or McDormand, especially not on her day. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. Now that she's uh, the front of the show. The writing was nominated, by the way. So was the movie. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a very, very good movie, and it, it, kind of the whole theme of it is while he's trying to figure out what it's all about and why else it's happening, you're trying to figure out what this movie is supposed to be telling you. And I think it's an interesting. You're kind of going along for the ride with him. Interesting. Yeah, I remember seeing the trailer and them talking about how this is, you know, the Coen Brothers' most personal film yet, um, and a lot of the trailer is heavy in the the Jewish scenes and stuff like that and I was just worried that the movie would be targeting the Jewish faith a lot and that I might be lost on a lot of that kind of stuff did you feel that way when watching the movie or that didn't really bother you or what not at all there's um there, there's kind of actually a little bit of a wink and a nod to that uh there are okay. a couple of things like you know his his son's in Hebrew school and he's about to uh he's about to be bar mitzvah um but you know if you as long as you know what a bar mitzvah is, I think you're I think you're behind that. That's that, that's okay. But there's uh, there's a part where his mom or his, his mom that uh, where his wife wants to get a get, and nobody knows what a get is. Like like even like uh, like the first rabbi isn't sure. And apparently it's like a like a a religious divorce. So and, and, and but it's okay. it's sort of funny. Like the you know it's uh, yeah it's that's part of it is that they're not very serious in in their religion. To, to that extent, and it's not super religious, but that is part okay. of it. Last question: uh, Michael Stolberg doing being the main guy who's been in like tons of TV stuff that I know of, but nothing serious. Um, how do you do as number one man? Great. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I thought he was. Was phenomenal. this like a 
a feel sorry for him he did great or was it like he made his he made the character like just as real as possible um i very very real very um I, I thought just great. Just uh, every every emotion that he portrayed, you forgot it was him. The only thing is, he sort of looks like a guy I know. So, and and the guy <laughs> I know who, who has got a couple of kids, and a lot of the things are like the interactions with his kids and stuff like that. And so it's sort of um, so uh, if, if that was the only thing that kind of detracted from it is that it reminded me of that. But aside from that, uh, no, it was phenomenal. I really enjoyed it. Um, actually, I did have another one. It's just. My sweat is just absorbed in my notepad so I can see it with all the ink. But, uh, yeah, last question. As a Coen Brothers fan, would you see it? And as just normal moviegoer, would you see it? Uh, yeah, Coen Brothers fan, yeah, definitely yes. Uh, normal moviegoer, it's kind of quieter and doesn't, like, move along and there's not – uh, there's not a typical plot arc to it. So if you're if you're into – you know, if you're looking for something to, to sit down and and just really, really, you know, grab you and entertain you, this isn't it. This is this is more of a thinker. But gotcha. um, I would say if you enjoyed No Country for Old Men, and it's not in many ways not the same at all. But if you enjoy, if you're able to enjoy that movie, you'll enjoy this movie. Some of the uh, kind of slower pace and that type of thing um, definitely work. It's not like burn after reading it, that, that kind of had that more manic pace and a little bit more, uh, slapstick comedy where this is a little bit more serious and a little bit more slow. Although there are definitely some laugh out loud moments. Cool, man. Uh, that sounds awesome. I mean, I still haven't seen it yet. And, uh, as I'm sure people have heard, Jeff's probably the biggest Cohen fan here. I've done a pretty good job of catching most of their movies. I'm a big fan. Um, but yeah, I, I should see it. I'm, I feel really bad. Did you send it back yet? I know you Netflixed it. Did you already? Uh, no, actually, I didn't. I'm going to send it back tomorrow. All right, you should totally, you should totally bring it by. Totally bring it by the studio. Um, we'll watch it on our in theater at the. Yeah, we've got our own theater at the studio too. I don't I know if, if the AC works in there. Can we? Yeah. Can we go oh shit, we should check it out. Next show we're doing from there because seriously, I'm just dying here. Uh, next up, my movie review, which is dope. Um, I've been wanting to talk about this for a while. I'm so surprised that Jim hasn't seen this yet. I invited him to come along, and Jeff was supposed to be there too, but Jeff backed out. I don't know why, but he did. Uh, I went and saw the A-Team. The A-Team. I remember telling our other friend, friend of the show, Josh, I have absolutely no interest in seeing this movie. I'm going home. Well, it wasn't about that movie. It was about being there, and it was awesome. Oh, uh, sorry. Yes, the A-Team. We're all familiar with it. Uh, 80s TV show turned turned into a movie, and uh, yeah, fantastic. Jim, I, I feel, I'm gonna try to talk. I'm just gonna try to say this as if I were Jim, because Jim, Jim, uh, Jim loves this. Did you love the A Team, Jim? Did you love it? As a TV show, yeah, okay. heck yeah. I still need to post that picture with me, the Mr. T T-shirt <laughs> acting out fighting scenes because it's dope. Oh my god, oh, that's awesome. So, what were you? How old were you then? Like 40. Um, no, no. Old joke. Just 38. Old joke. I'm just playing. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, for those not, not, are not familiar with the A-Team, it's a group of ex-Army Rangers, at least in this movie it was. I, I was familiar with the A-Team. I saw the reruns of it, but I never really watched the actual show. I watched it when it was, uh, oh, what's the, what's the term? What's the lingo when the movie's gone, or uh, TV's second run? Syndicated. Syndication. Syndicated. Yeah. Syndication. Anyhow. Uh, it's a group of group of ex army rangers that have a unique dynamic and are completely badass. Obviously, uh, in this film, you actually get to see how the A team gets its start, but it's mainly about how they end up being fugitives of the law, which is what the TV show's premise is. Um, you of course have Liam Neeson as the brains, Hannibal, Quentin Jackson as the muscle, Baracus, and uh, Charlotte Copley. And I, I always don't know if it's Copley or Copley. Uh, known from District 9 uh, as the wild card, Murdoch. And, of course, wait, wait, Bradley. Who, who was he in District 9? He's the main guy. He's the main guy in District 9. Oh. He's the main human. Um, and, and, of course, Bradley Cooper is the looks face man. Uh, that's your that's your general dynamic, as we've all been taught by. The looks, the brains. Yeah, the, the, looks, the, <laughs> the looks, the brains, the muscle. The so who did Jessica Biel play? <laughs> Jessica Biel actually didn't get to play any of them. Um, she got to play. She was the. She wasn't the. She was the chick. straight. She was the straight man cop that they dealt with 
once in a get, once in a while and was sort of Bradley Cooper's uh face man's uh love interest during the movie. Um also yeah Patrick Wilson who people might know as uh uh Night Owl from Watchmen. Uh but he was those Watchmen are getting jobs everywhere. Yeah. They're they're getting they're putting out. Uh in short the movie was good. I was I was happy with it. It was surprisingly funny. Like I know the T V show lots lots of action some jokes, but this was there were a couple of points where the whole theater was laughing. It was pretty pretty funny. Um, the what's weird is the like this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but the pace of the movie is on steroids a little bit. It go like kids with ADD would have no problems following the plot of this thing. It's I just, feel like speed would be a better or like um, like methamphetamines or <laughs> I think there are a lot of things other than steroids. Like okay, um, I don't mean to, I don't mean to pick apart your metaphor. Right, right, no problem. Um, I'm going to use the director, Joe Carnahan, as my black sheep for this because he's literally done nothing worthwhile. And, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just going to pin it all on him, um, which brings me to actually another point. Uh, the part – there's a part where uh, – in the movie where they're walking down like a tunnel to a plane. And, uh, again, if you're wondering, Brackus does not like flying. But what's – Do they call him B.A. in the movie? Um, You know what? That was his name on the show. Yeah. B.A. Brackus. I don't bad attitude, bro. Right, right. You know what? I don't remember if they do say BA, aka. Mr. I don't T. remember. Yeah, Mister. AKA Lawrence Terry. <laughs> AKA Clover Lang. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, um, what's the one scene that this is the one big scene that bothered me, and it was just because it was one of those just stupid production like seemingly like continuity error situations where they did a scene. Where they're walking to a plane, and it's only like twenty seconds long, but it looks like they shot it like six months before they shot everything else, or six months after, because everybody looks different. Like their haircuts look different, and it's almost like they came in from another set because they forgot to shoot the scene, and everybody just didn't have makeup and just did the scene, and it was just really weird. And it's in the middle of the movie. If you see it, you'll probably know what I'm talking about. Maybe I'm just imagining things, but it. Um, yeah. They have beards and shit. It's weird. Like, it looks like, I don't know if you can picture uh, Liam Neeson's haircut. Jessica Biel? Yes, <laughs> I can. Liam Neeson's haircut in uh, Batman Begins. But his, and then his hair in the trailer, like his hair in the trailer as Hannibal looks the same throughout the movie, except this one point. It looks like he just came from Batman Begins. It's really weird. Very weird. Hmm. So um, you've got a problem with Liam Neeson trying to be fashionable? <laughs> no. No, I don't. Um but yeah, it's it ended up being a very good movie. If you're He's an single, if you're an A Team fan, definitely go see it. If you're looking for a summer action movie, I think this is probably the best one out there right now. So um, go check it out. Uh, Toy Story, and they do say I love it when a plane comes. Yes, together, there right? are t- at least two occurrences of it. Uh, awesome. awesome, one from Hannibal, and uh, even Face Man steals it at some point. Um, but yeah, very very stereotypical plot. But I, I would say that the action scenes were well thought out, and um, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty funny. And there's definitely it's definitely wide open for a sequel. And uh, I actually don't know how Good. well it did. Does anyone know how much money it made? Because it didn't do too bad, I don't think. But um, not as well as they'd hoped. I don't remember the numbers, but right. I remember Karate Kid beat its ass. So oh yeah, that's right. Can't right. be too good. I forgot about that. We talked about that a little bit. So I have a few questions, obviously, since I'm an A-team lover. <laughs> All right, I don't. I didn't um, pay attention to like what people were wearing and stuff, Jim. So if there's like a question, did he have on the one? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, um, first one, Bradley Cooper is this cementing his star on the rise career that's going on here. Yeah, he was I mean, actually very good, good. and he he pretty much plays the he has to play the oppose like the opposite of Jessica Biel as the love interest, and they have a relationship subplot going on. But yeah, actually. He did pretty well, and being the face man, he got to insert some some comedy there, and it's about his reactions and interactions with Liam Neeson and, uh, again, I always want to say his name weird, uh, Charlotte Copley, who's really funny, by the way, is Murdoch, and he's supposed to be funny, but their interactions, and he gets to be funny and serious through the show, through the movie, I'm calling it a show now, and he does a very good job. I, I really think he, he set it up. All right, so you brought up Charlton Copley or whatever his name is playing Murdoch. How did he do? Because in the TV show, he's really goofy and just, I mean, borderline nuts. So I was just curious if that's how they play him off in the movie or right. I mean, what the deal is No, there. he's 
They actually even, like, what you see in the trailer is, like, the one line they talk about how they think he's sort of insane. And right. they make jokes about how he just does crazy shit all the time. But he's pretty, I don't know, he's pretty straightforward. I I, uh, I think he does play... So it's the, more of a historic... The, he plays the goof, for sure. But there's a part, there's okay. a great part where um, the team's trying to get back together. And Copley's, apart from them, like, they put him in, like, a psychiatric ward because he was... Like he is a little nuts, but he acts extra crazy as part of the part of the show, and okay. he notices that there's like detectives looking for him, so he just ends up like riling up all the other crazies with him, and like sneaks out doing such a thing pretty much. And it's, I think he does a really good job, and I don't know, I, I wouldn't dismiss him as he just does random crap over and over again. He's funny, and him dealing with. Uh, Baracus, Quentin Jackson, over and over again in the show. Like, they pretty much have this strong relationship of him being the pilot and him hating flying. They have to make jokes back and yeah. forth. And that was yeah, a thing in the show they did a lot, too. So, Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think they did. I think he did a really good job, and I think he uh, did a good job act, portraying uh, Murdoch pretty well. So let's talk about the linchpin of this movie's success. <laughs> the linchpin? The, the, the parachuting tank. Oh, oh. yeah. yeah. The par- it's- it looks horrible. It looks like the stupidest scene ever. <laughs> All right, it looks it pretty is- awesome to me. It- the tank it's- had a parachute. It was like- <laughs> well, what you don't even get to see, which is even more ridiculous, is they start trying to fly the thing by like shooting different directions. Like They try to control it. Nice. Um, yeah. What's what's interesting about what makes that scene sort of that funny? Would work. <laughs> what made it work was, meanwhile, while they're shooting around, you have uh, Quentin Jackson and Charlotte Copley like yelling at each other back and forth, talking about why they're in a tank because um, Quentin's character uh, B. A. Baracus was unconscious when they got in it, so he didn't know what was going. It better on. be. He so, had to be every time in the show. Exactly. So. There was that. There's pretty much comedy going around everywhere in between the stupid, and it was there. It was, so it was a very light. There were also approach. the things that were attacking were these drones that they were trying to get turned off. They didn't want to blow up everything, but and that's where you've got Jessica Biel talking with other people about how the I can't believe they're in a tank. They're stupid. They're crazy. Stuff like that. It's cutting in between all the, the silliness and gotcha. I I it saved it and I I didn't find it that bad. And there's also a funny a funny moment when it lands in a lake at the end of it, which is also ridiculous. But um, considering what happens later in the movie, it's actually not that bad. Um, and we're talking about Transporter 2. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I dismissed it. I didn't see it as that big of a deal. Gotcha. Um, yeah, like I said, uh, I don't, like, is that all you have? Because I was... I'm, that, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think it is one of the better summer movies. Like, if you're going to go see a blockbuster action movie, go pick this up. Um, Toy Story 3 would probably be your number one at this moment if you had, like, kids. But, uh, yeah, very entertaining. Go go have a drink and go catch it. It'll, it's a fun time. Um, and, yeah, that's all I got, James. So what, whatever you got, whatever you got. Okay. Um, yeah, I saw a movie called Frozen River from 2008. Um, this movie is a very serious and sad film frankly um but not sad as in you know quality but uh, anyway um it's about a mom in her mid-40s she has two kids a couple boys one around like 15-ish and the other one five-ish um they live in a northern new york town kind of near the canada border um the family itself is just like a struggling family kind of lives out in the middle of nowhere one of those really small houses with like junk in the yard and stuff and her deadbeat husband is a gambling addict and basically took the last of their money and one of the cars and just disappeared. And so, you know, from what you gather from the film, it's happened in the past. So, you know, they, they're used to dealing with it, but at this point, I mean, they have no money for food. Um, they're supposed to be getting a new house and the down payments due for that. So they can move out of this dump that they're living in. Um, repo men are coming to repossess the TV. So they're just kind of in a really bad spot. Um, the, wife ends up going to go look for the husband and during the search of the local area um she gets mixed up with a uh, a young mohawk indian woman um who has been doing these runs through 
a Indian reservation that is right on the two borders of the U.S. and Canada. It kind of stretches across both, so it makes for a good avenue to smuggle um, illegal aliens into the U.S. through that means just because the cops don't have jurisdiction in there. And uh, they do it over the titular uh, frozen river that they have to drive across. It's kind of like a almost kind of like a, a road. They even plow it and stuff so, just to keep it open. So the Indians are doing that, or that's what she ends up just, doing? Just her and her contact over there. Okay. It's not gotcha. like the entire reservation's in on it. Okay. It's just their little spiel, and the wife kind of gets wrapped up into kind of gets pulled into this whole little scam, and, you know, she's so desperate, and that, the film does a really good job of, you know, showing how desperate she is, and she's in a low point of her life, and just the film's all about kind of showing what desperation will cause some people to do. And, you know, even the uh, the Mohawk Indian woman is in a really bad spot financially and, you know, in her life. And, you know, she's also in the same boat desperation-wise. Um, the dialogue, I really like the dialogue in this movie. All the characters kind of just use a bare minimum of words. Um, it really sets the tone for the film, just like kind of untrusting, you know, we're having a shitty time, you know. <laughs> I'm just going to say the bare minimum to you. I don't really know who you or like you or whatever the case may be. And it, I thought it did a good job of setting the mood for the film, just keeping the dialogue simple and concise. Um, a lot of the movie reminded me of a movie called Crossing the Bridge. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this movie. Um, also had to deal with some smuggling, and it's basically an average Joe who's not usually in the criminal ranks, but kind of gets over their head and bringing something across the border and crossing the bridges case. It was a Michigan Canadian border, but, um, but yeah, it kind of reminded me to that where, okay, you don't know what's going to happen because this woman is not used to dealing with these type of people. And it, it kind of, you know, puts you on your edge of the seat. That does a pretty good job. Um, I did like the movie. Um, there's very little to feel good about in this movie. So if you need a feel good movie kind of result, this isn't going to be the movie for you. Um, it's filled with some good, you know, heavy drama in it though. So I enjoyed it. Uh, there's one part I didn't like a really climactic, um, problem, I guess I'll say, but it lets itself, it, the movie lets itself, itself off easy with the result of that. And that was the only part that I really didn't like about the whole movie. What I find, well, first off, I have seen Crossing the Bridge. That was like one of our brother's favorite movies, so we saw it like a hundred times. But yeah, Stephen Baldwin's best movie. If you're a Stephen Baldwin fan, go check out Crossing the Bridge. Restore StephenBaldwin.org. <laughs> I do like that movie. Flat, flat, was it Flatliners? <laughs> no, I don't think. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that was the best movie. I don't think he was in that movie, Jeff. I think you're mistaking him for some other Baldwin. Impossible. <laughs> um, also, what I find interesting, uh, Courtney Hunt, who wrote and directed it, uh, didn't like this is her only gig. This is it. She did this, and that's quite the track record. Yeah, like she 100 percent then. Yeah, um, that's pretty amazing. And like I realize there aren't really uh, like there's no one big names in this movie, but so this yeah this is definitely not no the pick me up of the week movie. we want to go see, huh? No, I mean it's not. It's not a giant downer, but it's just I mean it's it's dealing with some pretty tough scenarios, so it's. Yeah, definitely just pure drama. Right. And the tagline is, of course, desperation knows no borders. <laughs> I did see that uh, and chuckled to myself. <laughs> Fucking marketers. That's, uh-huh. that's great. Such a, such a low-budget, like, yeah. independent, it's supposed to mean something movie, yes. and you've got the, in a world where desperation. <laughs> yeah, you need, you need some badass tagline. Yeah, oh, man. they got some local newspaper men, those headlines, they come up with the tagline. <laughs> Write this shit up. Yeah, uh, I guess you're lucky it just wasn't a pun. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I, w- I was thinking about saving this for, for next week, but I, I did end up seeing Toy Story 3, and since it came out this weekend, it'd be nice to uh, uh, attack it today. Uh, first off, like I mentioned before, I went and saw it with my cousin, so I got a little little perspective from that. And I'll tell you, w- first dead-on review from my, uh, my uh, cousin Cade, didn't have enough 3D in it, is what is what he told me. So he needed the gimmick stuff. Yeah, huh? he wanted the gimmicky stuff, the stuff that just pops out and punches you in the face. Um, yeah, we did see it uh, 3D IMAX, and it to get to the 3D thing now. Um, yeah, it didn't do the gimmicky stuff. It did a lot of the environmental stuff. It did have another like the feel of 
um, avatar where it's just like, okay, the desk is obviously right next to me and I'm going through this, you know, bridge of, you know, constructs or whatever it is with the toys, which is sort of cool. Um, so it gives you sort of like that environment you're walking, you know, I shrunk the kids kind of thing at, at eye level with, with the, with the toys. Um, so if you do have a chance to go see it 3D and 3D IMAX, I, I think it's worth the extra couple dollars. Um, and now they've got uh, glasses for kids, people. And they were definitely in their own little packages, Jim. So I don't know if they, like, wash those again or what, but we talked about them last week. Um, Sandwich bags don't <laughs> count as little packages. <laughs> right, right. Um, I would say I think everyone's going way too crazy over this movie. It did make a shit ton of money. I know that. But, like, on Rotten Tomatoes, it had close to 100% rating, and everyone's just calling this best Pixar movie ever. Oh, my God. Second Coming of Jesus. Stuff like that. Um, it's a good movie. And I, it reminded me of all the other Toy Story movies. So I don't know why people Lots say, of adult humor. Yeah, there is. Appease there is. the adults. Yeah. But actually, the plot, the plot couldn't be any more, like, attack each demographic as it is. Like, you have... The toys situation where, they, the, like, the plot goes, the toys, feel, like, Andy's going to college, uh, the toy, he has to figure out what he wants to do with the toys, the toys are trying to figure out if they're any use to Andy anymore, and they actually run into a situation where the, a faction between, in between the toys sort of, you know, emerges, and they split a little bit, and they have to re recoup their friendship and figure out what's going on with Andy. Um, so they don't think Andy likes him anymore, so they end up leaving to a daycare, which is what you see in all the trailer trailers. Um, and then they shortly, quickly realize, all right, we made a mistake. We got to go meet up with Andy again. And then you get sort of the conclusion of the whole Toy Story series. Um, but the reason anybody can like this movie, you've got a situation of a kid. You don't see Andy a lot in the movie. He's obviously not the the main character in any way, but you've got him pretty much trying to act like he's too old for toys now, but he sort of like hangs on to him as sentimental value. And you have the parents seeing their first... Sounds like my bicycle in my garage. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Exactly. The, the, the Man, what is that thing called? The Silver Fox. Silver Fox. I'm sorry. Banana seat and all. Exactly. Um, and you've got the mom who's seeing her first get off to college and trying to, like, cleaning up the house and tons of jokes about, oh my god, you don't need this and this is going to this. And... Um, having the situation of uh, daycare. I'm sure every parent can relate with daycare. Kids dropping, people dropping their kids off, what they do there, and, like, the silly crap they do, and even what the toys, like, the toys end up having a situation of what they go through during that, which is sort of funny. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's actually, it is a big movie about relationships, which is really cool. I like that part. There were some surprising parts toward the end which I didn't expect to see in a children's movie where the toys are pretty much facing their doom, literally staring down, we're going to die. And they are in a situation, like, I guess I'll just explain it. They're in a situation where um, they're sort of like heading toward a furnace and they can't do anything about it. So there's like a 30 second moment of them just like reaching out for each other's hands and just accepting their fate. And I'm like, wow, uh, this is a little creepy and a little, <laughs> a little weird, but um, it's not as depressing as Up, so uh, like if you've seen Up, it's depressing. Uh, anyhow, good movie. Take your kids to it; you'll enjoy it. It'll be a fantastic time. And I just don't think, like in terms of Pixar, like Pixar related movies, I don't think it stands out that big from the other Toy Stories. I think it's a good. Did at least it's a good. good did it at least seem like fresh? Like, or does it seem like same old, just right, insert new jokes? Yeah, because you had the situation of the second one where they had, you know, Andy might be outgrowing us again in that one. and um, Yeah, just all the same characters. Right, I mean, right. They, Austin Powers like where it's just they like, have that one kid from the first one that likes to, like, blow up toys and stuff like that? What's it, What's interesting is Pixar does a – I didn't know about this until I was reading, reading about it, but Pixar does a lot of Easter eggs, and apparently – um, like, for instance, in this movie, they already told people that there's a hint to who the main character is in Cars 2 in Andy's bedroom. So as they're panning through, like, you only see a couple shots of Andy's bedroom, there's a poster in there somewhere or some toy or something that is supposed to be the main character in the next Cars movie. It's not going to be Owen Wilson? Well, I think it's supposed to be, like, another main character. It's not supposed to be Steve, yeah. like, Steve. I a Buzz and Woody-type scenario. Exactly, exactly. And what I did, like, also they did it with Monsters, Inc., where um, when, I forget what they called the girl, but 
when the girl's running through and giving the big blue monster toys, he she gives him Nemo like as a little yep. toy, and that was the mm-hmm. hint that Nemo was the next big movie. Like that was his character for the next big movie, and they do a lot of that in here. And the reason you asked about Sid is Sid is in this movie, but only if you look hard and find him. And, Sweet. Uh, there are a lot of things like that. If you're if if you're into looking for you'll you'll miss them until you actually like look for them later on the internet most likely but Sid you can catch a lot of the other little things you'll never know are there until you check it out but um so I'm sorry did yeah, you say you feel fresh um, enough I'm sorry I totally <laughs> yeah I want to know about Sid you got to appease <laughs> Jeff ASAP or he'll just freak out I think that's that's the thing that's what I didn't like about it like in terms of it felt like the other the personalities are stale or something there's a couple new characters. Um, you know, there's the bad guy. There's um, you get introduced to Michael Keaton's character Ken, who's how was he? <laughs> like, I, it didn't even sound like Michael Keaton, really. I, I don't think okay. Michael Keaton sounds. It was Michael Keaton doing a voice, right? Um, yeah, he he does a pretty good job. That, that character's fun. Kenny's Ken's funny, um, and he actually Barbie becomes a bigger role in this movie because Ken, obviously, and. Um, yeah, I, I think it is more the same, and that's why I, I, I compare it to the other two. But it's just about the relationships between them, the, the toys themselves, them as a group dealing with Andy. And there's a there's a small touching part at the end of like how they wrap up the whole Toy Story saga. Because as far as I know, this is supposed to be the last one, and uh, does a pretty good job. And uh, I think uh, I think I, I'm guessing you're going to be taking your family to this. But if you do end up seeing it. Um, on your own, you'll. I think you'll enjoy it. I think it's gonna be. I think it'll be a good time. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Um, and I'm completely just full of sweat right now. Uh, yeah. So that and that the sweat sign is the sign that it's time to wrap up the show with uh, the Parker Posey play along. Yay! We need that. We need that little uh, little theme music for the Parker Posey play along. We'll have to work on that. Uh, last week's question from Jeff, I believe. And uh, following my question, of course, another quote question. What is a quote from a movie that you wish that you had come up with, and maybe you're just waiting for the right circumstances to, you know, bust it out, kind of thing. That kind of that kind of situation. Uh, Jeff, are there any any answers that you uh, like specifically? We got some dynamite answers on this one. Um, <laughs> dynamite. I I love this question. It's so right up my alley. <laughs> it's I I was very happy came, when up, I came with up with question. With yeah, it's pretty good. I <laughs> Yeah, especially especially bouncing back from my previous question, I felt good with this one. Um, Varus is uh, Varus is this place is dead anyways from Swingers is is a great yeah, quote. that's pretty good, uh, especially in context of just people all over the place. This place is dead anyway. It's great. Um, what was the other one I really liked? Um, the one the one that oh, was your, yeah Joshua with your lousy fucking softball player Jack. yeah I love that one. I was a huge fan of course of I'm a little biased because we talked about that one before in the past so. oh really there was actually a uh, small small segue or small rant I uh, we talked about um, when we went to the World Cup last time we were for a short amount of a short period of time we were actually in a hostel with in a room that had a TV and. There were a few good men was on, and it was obviously oh, dubbed in Deutsch. And we were watching it just for a little bit. I'm like, dude, we gotta watch it until this part. And he, you have Tom Cruise dubbed saying, "You're a lousy fucking soft player, softball player, Jack," and it's the funniest thing ever. So if you have a chance to listen to it in German, uh, make sure you you check it out because it's fantastic. But um, yeah, that was funny. Yeah, she's in the German version. I remember this. He said, "You're a shitty softball player, Jack." Yeah, but, uh, because oh. it's it's not really. The words don't work quite the same, <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember. I remember tuning in particularly, like in my like we were because we were both like in and out of sleep at that point. Yeah, yeah, that uh, was, yeah. I do remember that. That was our last night there. At any rate, wow. Yeah, yeah. That was in Frankfurt. I remember it. Right. Cool. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that brings us to our next Parker pose. Uh, Jeff, since Jeff missed uh, two weeks ago, I think it was now. Our our alignments messed up here. So now Jim's doing the name and the, the Parker Posey question today. So, yeah, Jim, you're, you're up, buddy. All right. Uh, my question's a little unorthodox. And I like I'm it. Gonna declare it the, I'm going to declare it story time here at the Parker Posey play-along. Um, basically, all I want is I want you to tell me a noteworthy story of one of your trips to the theater. Hmm. 
difficult. Okay. So just something, maybe something funny or something very odd happened, whatever. Just now, some little. It's a this happened. This this event, the funny part of the story, whatever it is, has to happen in the theater, at the theater, on the way to the theater, all of it. Yeah, at the, at the theater, not necessarily in the specific theater, but okay. in in the building. Like I bought a lottery ticket, and I like, won money, and I was on my way to the theater. Doesn't count. Right, okay. correct. Yeah, it's got to be something that happened in the theater. Okay. So I had a few to pick from, um, some famous people sightings and stuff like that. But uh, I'm going with one that was kind of funny, um, and I'm, I'm a little proud of because I was the one that delivered the funny thing, or at least I hope you guys think so. Um, I'm trying to remember the exact circumstances, but I had just popped my uh, my movie ticket, and I walked up to the uh, concession stand, deciding that I needed a pop to you know refresh my myself during the theater experience um and i'm by myself at this point and there's no one in line there's just the one kid i don't know in his teens typical pimple face kid and <laughs> i walk up to typical him asshole teenager <laughs> I, I walk up to him and you know ask for a coke and i'm sitting there you know waiting for him to get it he brings it back and he's like okay that'll be you know x amount of dollars would you like to give a dollar to the will rogers institute for you know to help the kids with cancer and i just turn and look to him and say no thanks i don't like kids <laughs> and i <laughs> totally get his reaction of like his stifled giant smile like <laughs> i think he's choking and you know i give him the smile back to let him know it was okay and it was just funny because i i think i made his day there and it was i i was pretty amused with myself yeah do you, what were you gonna go see what were you seeing do you remember i don't remember that part oh that would have been not bad not bad. I don't know if I have. I don't know if I have a story that trumps that. I've got a lot of uncomfortable movie stories. A lot of very uncomfortable movie stories. Jeff, do you have one? Uh, I'm working on one. Okay. Um, I got a, a couple things come to mind. I guess this one. This was the first one I thought of, so I'll bring that one up. When we were really young, like we had to be 14 or something. Um, we were watching some stupid movie. It was probably something awesome like Mortal Kombat. And we all had movie candy back when it only cost like a dollar fifty to buy movie candy at the theater. And um we were there and there was a situation where there were a bunch there were a lot of other people in the theater, but they were in like packs, like we were sort of in the front, there was a pack behind us to the right, pack farther back, whatever. And eventually like candy was starting to like fall like we had like Reese's pieces were like falling on us from somewhere. And I just ended up getting pissed off, so I ended up, like, throwing... I probably had Sour Patch Kids, because Sour Patch Kids are, like, the best candy ever. So I started, like, throwing them backwards, but I was trying to, like, hide it when I was doing it. And they kept coming anyways, so I kept throwing them. And I was with a couple buddies of mine. (laughs) Turns out, when we're... And then when we leave, I end up, like, standing up and just chucking the whole thing up in the air, like, as as we leave. (laughs) I quickly realize... After I do that, that as I'm walking out the theater, um, my two buddies I was with, I know at least these two guys were there, were just cracking up. And turns out they were just doing the classic reaching over my head and throwing candy down at me, <laughs> acting as if it were the people behind us to get me to throw stuff back. And I was, I was, I was made the fool, but wow. it was, yeah, it was a, I don't know how many people I hit with Sour Patch Kids, but they probably weren't very happy about it. And, uh, all right. Yeah, very fun. It was probably I don't remember the movie. No no surprise cuz uh I was probably too too uh focused on my redemption and trying to get trying to get retribution. So um yeah, there there's some there's some good stories though. There's some good movie stories out there like uh the time when we went to it was episode 2 or episode 1. We went to got there early and we were like sort of near the front of the line. They let us they let us in only if we would like super early to pick seats first in front of everybody else, which was a huge deal for episode one. Like, Oh my God. Yes. Awesome. We get our own seats. And I think we're at like the best theater in the area. And when we put our stuff down, cause we had snacks, they accidentally cleaned it up cause the cleaning crew was still running around. So we got to tell them like, Hey, this is what I had. And they went and got it for us and brought it to us. So it's like, yeah, I had this and that and give me this. And I had like a, give me a stack of jujubes and give me some of those. And they just brought them all up to us. And that was that was cool. That was a that was a good. And then episode one happened, and then you know whatever. 
<laughs> and that was all done. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Jeff, I, I think I delayed long enough. You got one? Yeah, I, I got. I, I had a couple of couple of thoughts. Some of them not quite so uh, PG thirteen. Like we like to keep it on this show. Yeah, um, sure. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, the one I landed on was when I went and saw the Matrix, the original Matrix. Um, we <laughs> sitting there with like three or four friends and. I can't remember exactly what it was, so I'm gonna I'm gonna assume I'm gonna I'm gonna change history here, and I think it was when he came back to life because what's her face was in love with him. This guy like three seasons <laughs> audibly like grunted and said "fuck this" and got <laughs> walked out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck this! <laughs> so that was pretty good. Um, was this like an opening day kind of theater? Like it's just it was jam packed. Like, the theater was jam packed. Okay. It was, if not opening day, opening weekend for yeah. sure. Well, I can only assume that mine happened in 1999 because that seems to be when your guys this happened too. So <laughs> <laughs> possibility, possibility. Yeah, it. Uh, yeah. When did the Matrix come out? That was. That it came out the same year as Phantom Menace. Yeah. Wow. Good point. Good point. The the Mortal Kombat or whatever movie that was was definitely before that. I know. The that. other thought I had, or one of the other thoughts I had, was how um, our we we knew a guy, Mike P. I don't know if you were part of this, but I know I went and saw episode one with UG. Um, who was, who was a big, big movie buff and had booked his tickets way, way in advance. We wound up getting ours like six hours before the showing. That and it started a minute before his, and we called him like three times to remind to remind him that uh, yeah, hey, we're seeing it before you are. Yeah, we will know exactly what happens. One, One other hilarious situation. Um, we went to I think we went to go see Lost in Translation, and there was a group of us. I remember front of the show John was there. And we were in the back row, and as we're walking through, like I think John left to go use the bathroom. As he's coming back in, there's a stack of booster chairs, like right in the back, stacked against the wall, like those hard plastic things you get at like McDonald's. And he knocks the whole thing over during the movie. Loudest shit I've ever heard. And, (laughs) of course, just eruption of laughter happens, and... I don't remember that at all. I was there, wasn't I? I don't know. I, I know we saw that movie. Like the movie's fantastic. Yeah, I know we I saw, saw it at Western Michigan, didn't we? I think we did. I, yeah, I think I'm we did. Pretty sure I was there. You don't remember that? He ends up not like it wasn't a like twenty chair twenty chairs high, but it was definitely at least ten. And he uh, knocks it over, and that's just looking at him. It's first the shock of like, what the fuck was that? Because nobody could see the things back there, and that laugh <laughs> just chaos. Um. Yeah, anyhow, I think I was a little toasted that day, too. But, um, yeah, good question, James, good question. So I guess uh, phrase it one more time. We'll take the question to Facebook.com, look for the Movie Hour page, and you can uh, also talk about GungBed.com. But, yeah, one more time, James. Uh, Yes, the question is, or statement for that matter, uh, just tell me a noteworthy story of one of your theater experiences. It could be because it's amusing or something weird happened or whatever the case may be. I hope I... uh, I hope I didn't bore you guys with my story. I sort of like the story. Pretty good. Um, your guys' answers were excellent. I enjoyed it. Excellent answers. I wanted to yeah. share more, more of mine, but some of them were with friends of the show, so I didn't want to right, give away any right. other didn't answers. didn't want to steal from them. That's true. Uh, yeah, story Although time. Although I did see a movie with Larry Murphy. Hour, and it's 900 degrees. I am literally a, a freaking... Yeah, I'm a mess. <laughs> <laughs> The laughter, it's the only thing that keeps us running. Uh, James and Jeff, thank you again for the input. Jim, have a good time on the trip. Hopefully make it back time for the episode. If not, you're leaving the show in good hands. Don't worry. I know you haven't missed an episode yet. I've never missed an episode. Yeah, well, Jeff and I, will take care of the baby. We will take, like, you saw that movie yeah. Three Men and a Baby. Two Men and a Baby is just as good. We can, we can do it. Uh, I, I don't know why I brought three men. Jesus Christ! I know there's gonna. By the way, there's gonna, do you know there's gonna be a new one? There's gonna be three. Yes. Yeah. There's gonna be a three men and a bride or something like that. Yeah. That's yes. up. Gutenberg needs a job. Gutenberg. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, again, they Selick's not exactly doing great right now. He's there. Is Dude, he was just in the Killers. I saw. Yeah, him. his mustache was in the Killers. So. Yeah. That's up. So yeah, you guys. Now you have to say you have to say your lines because I'm, I'm. I said thank you for the input. Drive safe. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff doesn't remember what you say, so he can't say it. Uh, thanks, thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs>
Take care, everybody. Oh, seriously, though, drive safe. Just as Jim said, it doesn't mean you can't. <laughs> Holy, the whole hot Francis McDormand's appendicitis movie hour. Stay cool.